When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what's up? Welcome in. GC Live, West Mitchell, Chris Clark. Monday episode of the show. Lots to get to today as we put a bow on SEC Media Days. We will lock in our wide receiver preview and, of course, hit on anything and everything going on with South Carolina football. Heading into the start of preseason camp next week, uh, right around the corner. Of course, this show brought to you by our good buddy Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com. 803-771-6933 is how you can get in touch with Clint. If you're in the market for a new home or you're considering a purchase of a new home, Clint is your guy. He can walk you through that process, whether you are a home buying veteran or whether it's a first-time home buyer who uh, just is really looking for somebody to guide them through the entire thing. Clint will take care of you while talking some Gamecock football, frankly, along the way. Again, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Chris, the news today, not necessarily football on the field related, but we did get a little news in terms of South Carolina's opener in Charlotte. The Battle of the Carolinas version 2023 going to be on college game day. Uh, Lee Corso and company will be in town there in Charlotte for this game. Um not quite as cool as when they're on your campus, I think, if you're a Gamecock fan. But True. still, nonetheless, great uh, platform for South Carolina. College football world will be tuned in. And, of course, anytime you're on game day, that means your game gets one of the feature stories. It gets talked about a little bit more than probably a lot of the other games. So never a bad thing if you're either one of these programs to be featured on college game day. No doubt, man. Great platform. Uh you're, you're being selected. Um, anytime game day shows up, it's a big deal. It means your, your game is important. Um, this is a game that's probably a little bit more of like a, I don't know if niche is the right word. Like I, this isn't a national game in the sense of like when Alabama plays Texas, you know, it's a little bit more of like a national game, but this is two teams that are coming into this season with a little buzz. And, um, Definitely going to be a really good atmosphere, and it's a very intriguing opener. Also, Wes, I don't think you can discount probably one of the main driving factors in this, Spencer Rattler versus Drake May. They're going to play that up. That's going to be a big angle on game day. But this is big news. Lots of Gamecock fans excited about it. And, Wes, I I have an announcement of my own. This news has prompted us. We have added a night to the hotel stay for the Clarks in Charlotte going to stay the previous night that'll allow us a little time to check out some of the game day atmosphere etc so this this was big news in my household as well so the clarks will be live and on location from game day live and on location we will be there what about the mitchells how are we looking i don't know so uh i honestly so for those who don't know you know chris and i don't do the press box thing colin does that jack will be up there 
Mike, maybe Kendall Smith. She she's living in Charlotte now, and so um, I'm completely cool watching the game in the stands. I'm completely cool watching um, the away games, except for maybe one every now and then on TV. So we were gonna do the whole, you know, watch the other games, watch the whole weekend. But I did get a text from the wife upon that news coming out. See, that said, hey, we're going to Charlotte now. So See? I don't know. May maybe maybe there's a Gamecock Central get together opportunity on that Friday night. We shall see. If if you are a local local to Charlotte sports bar that's listening, hey, hit us up. Just saying, maybe we can work something out. Maybe we can figure something out. I'm sure the folks with the Charlotte Gamecock Club will have something going on for you Gamecock fans there as well. So maybe maybe we'll just crash their party. But anyway, great news. And, Chris, I don't think I've expressed this take recently, but I have. This is not a new thought, but I I think it is relevant to right now. Do you remember, I'm sure you do, when Spurrier really had the thing going? South Carolina was not every week, but almost every week, prominently featured at least among the, I mean, I don't know how many games they talk about on a given show, but the top 10 games, the top 15 games, even if they're not at those games, obviously there's a handful of games that are going to get the preview treatment. They're going to be talked about on game day. I always took that as a sign that your program was relevant. If if you're being talked about on a national, the premier, honestly, college football show, that means your game matters. So obviously, like you said, this is not necessarily – uh, this is not a top 10, top five type matchup, but it clearly has moved the needle enough for college game day to want to be there. Like you said, you got two top quarterback prospects who are going to go head to head. And I, I think it does say something about the the growing stature of the South Carolina program right now. The intrigue, I think Beamer has outsiders intrigued by what he's doing. So it, it is a great opportunity for South Carolina and, and for North Carolina as well. Both both teams get this platform. One of these teams, Chris, is going to get a great springboard win going into the rest of the season, a confidence builder, a uh, maybe a win that takes a little bit of pressure off the next few weeks, whereas one team is going to get a, dang, we're in the hole now. We got to try to battle out of this as far as, getting to, to bowl eligibility and, and all those things that go along with it. Matt Brown has said, Wes, that I think he, he said the first four games, I think that's the benchmark he used. He said these first four were as difficult as he had been around. Now, is there a little bit of, you know, the, the coach speak, the, the motivation within there? Maybe so, because Matt Brown also said, oh, you know, everybody's going to be picking South Carolina. They're feeling great about themselves. In the South Carolina locker room, yeah, some confidence. Uh, but Shane Beamer is making it very clear that nobody in that locker room thinks they have arrived and, and should not be conducting themselves as such. But, you know, you look at UNC, to your point, you know, play the Gamecocks in Charlotte. Uh, they've got App State at home the next week. They play Minnesota at home. You know, that won't be an easy contest at all. And then they go at Pittsburgh. You know, so it's a um, – not an absolute juggernaut by any means. I, I don't know if that'd actually be, if you kind of even objectively looked at it, not sure if that'd be the toughest stretch in Mac Brown's career. But, 
you know, a, a difficult stretch. And then, of course, you know, you look at the Gamecocks, you've got North Carolina and Charlotte up first. Uh, and then your next three, you get the home game against Furman. But then you go to at number one, Georgia, who will be a, a, certainly a favorite to make the college football playoff again, if not win at all. Um, and then you got to play Mississippi State at home. Then you got at Tennessee. So, you know, you're looking at immediately, you know, this this slate for the Gamecocks that by some people's metrics, Wes, I've, I've seen maybe at least one, maybe two different metrics that have this Gamecock schedule as the most difficult in the country. Even if you don't think so, or even if there are other metrics that disagree with that, it's a hard schedule. You know, it, it's one of the tougher ones in the country when you factor in UNC, Clemson on the back end, and then the SEC schedule sandwiched in the middle of that. So if you're the Gamecocks, you drop this one, you can be staring at a one and two or a one and three or a one and four in an absolute hurry. If not, you're on much better footing. Plenty more, obviously, to discuss with this game. It's it's hard at this stage, Wes. I'm, I'm having a hard time not getting ahead of myself a little bit as we sit here on July 24th. The excitement for this game is building. So a lot to continue to discuss as time goes along. But it is definitely a key game for both of these squads. Well, and, and we we know, Chris, I mean, Gamecock fans, I love y'all to death. But we know we know y'all are going to ride the roller coaster. And um, y'all know exactly what I mean by that. And, you know, that that's the – in some cases, putting – putting wins out into the ether before they ever have a chance to happen. And that's the other side. Some things go wrong earlier in the season, putting some losses on the tally before they ever have a chance to, to happen either. And we've, you know, something Beamer's talked about, Chris, this team itself, it is what it is. The last couple of years, they've also created the roller coaster. It's been the highest oh, yeah. of highs and, and then some really, really lows. You look at, Obviously, Florida and Missouri last year, some super lows, and the obvious, you know, Tennessee, Clemson, some super highs. So, you know, but but I, I mean, I remember after that Florida game, how many people thought South Carolina was staring six and six directly into the face? And um, I, dude, I remember doing an, an SEC um, Sirius XM radio show, and they were basic. They put me on the spot. They were like. So South Carolina is about to go six and six, right? And, you know, and I'm like, well, I can't really disagree with that coming off what we saw against Florida. And then <laughs> lo and behold, they go do what they did. And so, you know, you're going to have both sides of the roller coaster here, right? If South Carolina beats North Carolina, it's going to be the, you know, what what is the ceiling of this team? This team doesn't have a ceiling. If they lose, it's going to be staring one and two in the face. Then what happens? Um, what is it, Mississippi, Mississippi State, State after yeah. Georgia? You know, so then that, that Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, you know, so then it's it's gonna be the let, let's start let's start thinking ahead two, three, four games. And we we've learned we learn time and time again in college football, you can't do that. We do not but learn, but we'll do it anyway. Right? <laughs> we observe that yes, we we do that, we do not learn from it. Yes, yes, we don't we don't learn from it at all. So um so yeah, the roller coaster will be in. Uh, it'll be started. It'll be rolling. But mm -hmm. um, if you're the Gamecocks, you hope that you're you're starting off with one of those highs in a, a winnable game. But it's going to be a tight game and, and a close game, I think. Uh, speaking of excitement for kickoff, Chris, 
one thing we have not talked about enough yet Ooh, baby. is uh, we got to get everybody on board for the Gamecock Central kickoff party at Stillhands Brewing. That is set for August 19th. Uh, we do, as we have the last two years, have uh, limited VIP tickets available. I'm going to throw that link in the chat. Please come check it out. It is a free event for the on-stage portion, but if you want to be guaranteed access to uh, both an, an air-conditioned area in the back, a tent, uh, you know, some free food, some free drinks, and if you want to be guaranteed some time to meet our student-athletes and chat with them and talk with them, that's the big thing here. Uh, get one of these limited VIP tickets, and you'll be able to spend some time with our uh, soon-to-be-announced student-athletes who will be on hand. Of course, music from Patrick Davis and his Midnight Choir uh, capping off the event. And um, our overage this year will go to the Beamer Family Foundation uh, charity, which is always cool that we've been able to introduce a charity element the last two years. So either way, come check us out. August 19th, Still Hands Brewing, all afternoon into the evening. Um, Chris, fine, let's, let's put a bow on media days. So for those who don't know, you got Beamer, Birdie with Birdies with Beamers, I, I guess what we're calling it, Birdies with Beamer. It's the media golf tournament. But what that actually means for the rest of you is that you're going to start hearing later this week, not just from Shane Beamer, but from some assistant coaches. And this is really the first opportunity in a couple of months. I feel like you do get a few questions answered on the stuff I love, which is like the specifics of position battles and depth charts and who's playing, you know, this receiver position versus that who are the guys at left tackle and right tackle? You can start to dive into some of those things. So if we're going to put a bow on media days, we need to do that now. I'm sure Mike will probably put a bow on it on his end Tuesday night with his show. And then starting Wednesday, we'll start to have some real more just sort of in-house, smaller details, the stuff that I think we excel on diving into going into next week. Then you'll have USC's media day. And then next thing you know, we're we're rolling into to practice. So putting a bow on media days, I did think it was interesting. Among all these interviews, I'm not actually sure where this one came from, Chris, but reading from Collins reporting, it does seem like the staff wants to play Tonka as an interior guy if possible. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the vibe I got from – the quotes, um, it was pretty much said, you know, hey, I'll do anything as far as I being Tonka, but that seems to be the plan. Interior, if possible, that matches what Beamer said months ago during the offseason. But that is something that was worth talking about. So I, I think that's that to me is maybe one of the smaller details, but that affects multiple things that we did at least sort of learn, sort of get a confirmation that it's still the case for media days and something I don't think you and I hit on last week too much. Yeah. And certainly we've talked about, you know, ideas of Tonka could do this, Tonka could do that, but getting a little bit more of a sense that, Hey, more than likely if possible playing him inside would be the ideal situation. And, you know, it makes sense. And that's where he played last season. I've, I've been on record saying, I think he was the most disruptive defensive lineman on the team last season and by that I mean in the entire front four and he did it from that spot so 
you know, it probably still is his best spot, Wes. So why not play him there? And that that that's where the if possible comes in, right? Because we know that USC does have some lingering depth questions at the edge position. If you can feel better about those, uh, you know, going into preseason camp, certainly exiting preseason camp, then I think you'll feel good about where you have also slotted Tonka. So um, can now can he play outside, play on the edge? situationally in packages can he play there if if you just need need him to certainly but i do like the idea of keeping him inside uh, where he can kind of wreak havoc split double teams rush the passer he he really excels at that and so if they can keep him there probably the best move for him and for the team no doubt man so uh big red asking will there be any other press conferences with loggins before game one yes um that, that's one thing you know, Beamer, as long as it continues the way it has in the past, Beamer has been excellent about making the coordinators available to the media. That, in turn, gives fans an opportunity to hear directly from the play callers, the guys, um, you know, coordinating offense, defense, and special teams. So, um, assuming that that continues, yes, you'll probably hear from Loggins at the um, – Birdies with Beamer, the, the media golf tournament, you'll probably hear from Loggins at media day next week, and then at least last year, you know, you heard from coordinators at least once, maybe twice during preseason camp. And then you heard from them once a week during the season. So uh, unless they completely change their thought process on that, Big Red, don't think you have that uh, as something to worry about. Um, Chris, we already did our D-line preview, but I have been kind of digging on some various positions as I try to put together – a projected depth chart and two not surprising things I've kind of picked up on, but worth mentioning is um, a, it sounds like uh, JT gear has kind of been what he was expected to be, what he was brought in to be. I expect him to be firmly in the mix at one of those edge spots. Um, if not starting at one of those edge spots. So that's obviously uh, a positive. And also, I was told, I was warned, do not count out Nick Barrett. He can be the forgotten man a lot of times on this defensive front. But um, he, he's going to have a big role. We we know about Tonka, obviously. We know that um, T.J. Sanders was um, defensive player of the spring. But uh, Nick Barrett, definitely going to have a role. Obviously, Boogie going to have a role this year as well. Um, I, I was told, do not count those guys out by any means well and Barrett is just he really is just a forgotten player and I think one reason for that Wes is you know when you just look at the trajectory the actual playing time that he's had it's not been as significant as some others uh, but he has been in the program a while and I do think he serves uh, maybe a more unique or a niche skill set in that this guy has He's a massively built guy and super strong in the in the lower body. And so when you look at one of the key areas that South Carolina has to get better in, what is it? It's, it's stopping the run. That's the entire team, as Shane Beamer pointed out. A lot of people, when you think about stopping the run, you think about just the defensive line, just edge contain, just linebacker fits or, you know, missed tackles. But it's, it's really the entire picture. If you really go back and kind of – dive deep and get a little bit more granular into the run game, the run defense from last season, you'll see that 
if you're asking the question of what was the issue, it was a little bit of everything last year in spots. You saw all of it. But Nick Barrett's an interesting player because he's someone that does have the strength and the build to be able to plug it out for you and and hold it. And so I think particularly when you're starting to think of short yardage situations or maybe even some packages, goal line, short yardage, um, or even just as a rotational defensive tackle, he's someone that I think could could take a pretty significant step forward this year. Carolina also, you know, obviously they get Tonka back. They have TJ Sanders. They have Nick Barrett. They have Boogie, but you do lose Zach Pickens. But there's some guys in the hopper here, Barrett being one of them, that I think can can have this defensive line, the interior defensive line, could have a strong showing. Now they got to put all the different pieces together, obviously, uh, whether it's secondary, linebacker, edge, interior. But Barrett, I think, is an important part of that success. No doubt. Um, all right, before I forget, before we move any further, uh, you're going to hear us tell you once a week about our friends, our new friends, Chris, at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com. Type in the code Gamecocks. And, Chris, I think I saw you drinking out of your oh, yeah. style. I'm rocking it again. In the house. There it is. Use code Gamecocks when you make a purchase. Is there a limit on that? Is there, a, like, a minimum on that purchase to get a free – no, you just use that so, promo code. You have to, you have to, you buy something, and you get it. Anything. I believe. Sweet. Yep. Um, yeah, check that out, Chris. I think you were rocking your bird dogs today at uh, the radio station. So. Oh, absolutely. Had him on today. Still, and then, he's still ten out of ten. If I mean at, at the minimum, probably an eleven out of ten, a uh, okay. hundred out of ten. Shout out to my guy James too. Um, I called up with today. Uh. Had, had to go meet somebody to check out something for the house. Saw my guy, James. He was also rocking some bird dogs. Don't know if he has yet the the free Yeti style tumbler that you get. Don't, don't know if he knew about the promo code. I told him about it. And so we've had several subscribers, Wes, on Gamecock Central who said, yeah, already love bird dogs. And I'm going back. I'm using the promo code. I'm getting some more. And I absolutely love them. I've been absolutely wearing them out since we got them. Shout out Bird Dogs, a, a new sponsor here on GC Live. Certainly appreciate them. So, all right, like I said, my my sort of Tonka interior, that was my one kind of final takeaway that I don't think we hit on last week. Chris, do you do you have any put a bow on media days so we can move past this uh, thoughts at well, all? Real, real briefly, and I think um, – not to do a deep dive into this one because we, we still have a lot of talk about the offensive line and running backs. But, you know, I, I think just coming out of media day, we didn't get any um, overly insightful answers. And I'm not saying that as a negative towards Shane Beamer at all. Uh, I just don't think we got any new information is probably the best way to say it in terms of running back, offensive line, the configurations, left tackle, right tackle. Um, or even just kind of your your first five. We know some of the guys, but I think just generally some of those questions still linger. And so those are some things that we'll probably have to kind of figure out based on what we see, based on what we hear during preseason camp and then exiting preseason camp. The hope for South Carolina is you have a little bit of a better idea. Those questions still remain, right? Shane Beamer noting he's still concerned about the running back depth. You certainly have the edge depth questions. You have the offensive line questions. Every now and then, Wes, whether it's media days or just pick your time period, 
you'll have a storyline and you'll kind of get, oh, here, here's a new bit of information that you come across that makes you feel maybe more positively, more maybe more negatively about something. I think a lot of the questions that were go, that were you know formed going into media day persist coming out. So that's not anything super insightful, um, but that was kind of a, a takeaway that I had uh, to to put a bow on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see, Bradville asking, what about Elijah Davis on the inside? Yeah, I think Elijah, I think he's one of those guys that can play inside or outside. I think we'll, I think that will be maybe fluid depending on need. Hey, TJ Sanders played outside quite a bit. And, you know, I, I think it depends on are they going to be more 3-4? Are they going to be, um, you know, or 4-2, 3-3? You know, is it a three-man front? Is it a four-man structure? Uh, is that based on their current sort of team need? Is that based on opponent? Is that based on down and distance? They're going to have some options there. TJ Sanders can play inside or outside. So, you know, that that's another guy. So, you know, we'll see where all that goes. I, I don't – I think they want Elijah Davis to be an inside guy, Brad. I also thought – I thought he looked very comfortable outside at edge in the spring game, so that is not lost on me there. I, I think that's something to certainly keep an eye on uh, there moving forward. But, yeah, Chris, I, I'm hoping that we're going to get – start to get some answers as soon as Wednesday on, um, you know, hey, he, here's who's in the competition at left tackle. Hey, here's who's in the competition at right tackle. What, um, you know, ha have there been, had there been some changes in thinking as the spring has ended, as we've gotten into the summer, and as it has become apparent that obviously, you know, Jalen Nichols is not going to be on the field um, for, for at least a, a decent portion of this season. So I, I think that's something, you know, frankly, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I, maybe we need to dig on that a little bit more ourselves because, um, you know, that, we, we did not get those answers during um, really the welcome home tour stuff or SEC media day. So we'll see if we start to get more of those leading into, um, you know, the season. Maybe, maybe we get a depth chart drill out there. <laughs> maybe we get a, an open practice or two off the bat where we can start getting some of those answers. But uh, it, it's going to be fascinating. Certainly some positions. I'm going to have more on the linebacker position moving forward because I think there's actually some interesting things to keep an eye on there, Chris. I'm working on some notes for our subscribers. We'll, of course, do a linebacker breakdown as well. But it, it hit me when I was kind of trying to sort through that. You know, Mo Caba played the mic last year. Stone Blanton played the mic last year. And Pup Howard was playing the mic during – um during spring practice. So what happens as Kaba gets back in there as far as how that, you know, the, the way to put together a depth chart, you got to know who's slotted where. So I, I've got, I've got some answers on that, that we're going to be rolling out here as we dive into the linebacker spot in the future. But um, all right, let, let's get past media days, get into our receiver position. I think a plane is landing on my house, uh, which is unfortunate. But obviously this thing starts with Juice Wells. Is he the best receiver in the SEC? Oh, boy. You went there. Caught me off guard. Completely um, put Chris on the spot. Yeah. 
with that one. Um, I mean, we can we can fairly easily say he's in the top, you know, whatever you're coming up with, top five, top ten. I mean, who who else is in that conversation? You know, SEC lost a lot of really good receivers from last season. I mean, I think I think he's easily top five. Um, yeah. You kind of start there and move up. I mean, Tennessee lost Hyatt and Tillman, and there are actually a bunch of receivers that have exited the league. Now there's a bunch of good ones still there, but he's he's um, up there. The kid, um, oh my god, I'm blanking. Uh, Lad, Lad McConkey from Georgia. McConkey, I always want to yeah. call him McConkle. He's excellent. He was ahead of Juice in um, the SEC media's receiver list. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, at, at the very – Will says top two and he isn't two. I mean, at the – There you go. Is, is there anybody out there – let's put it like this. Is there anybody out there that South Carolina fans – would take over Juice Wells in the SEC? Absolutely not. So, no, no. you know, there, there's sometimes guys where you're like, oh, you have a pretty good player on your team, but there are some elite guys where you're like, oh, I would still take that guy over my guy. Yeah. Juice is at least on par with anybody else in yeah. the league, I think. So it starts there. And the, the, the funny thing is, the interesting thing is, do you remember how many oars there were on the depth chart Last year, Chris. Oh yeah, some surprising Juice ones a, at the beginning. Yes, Juice was an or starter, and yep. he actually started less than half of the games he played in last year, which is hard to believe. That is hard to believe. My brain, my brain doesn't even believe that as I say it, but it's true. That's fascinating. Now, did he play more snaps than who started in front of him in almost probably all those cases? I think so, unless I'm having just completely revisionist history in my brain right now. But as far as who actually started, first guy on the field, he didn't start all those games like it felt like he did. So now he goes into year two. He's the guy. As you said, as we've said in the past, you said this in uh, your recent insider report, He's become more of a leader in this thing. I think that's a big step for him. It's a big step for this group. Then you fill in sort of the slots behind him, right? Yep. So I, you know, it, this is a group that once again has a lot of experience. So Juice Wells played a lot of football. He's very talented. You do have to keep in mind that one of your guys with a lot of experience who has played a pretty decent amount of snaps at receiver is now a running back and to carry on joiner. And I think to carry on probably would have been a rotational receiver. In other words, he's, he's going to play a lot more. I think Wes at running back than even he would have at receiver for multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. So it starts with juice. The next two for me are a couple other veterans, Xavier Leggett, and Amari and Brown, both guys 
that have, I think, still a lot of untapped potential. I feel like in like uh, when I'm 80 years old, I'm still going to be saying Xavier Leggett really could have been something, you know. So maybe this is finally the year. But Wes, we're not. I don't think I'm making up, like I'm not conjuring up out of thin air the idea that Xavier Leggett has a lot of talent because we've seen some little glimpses that are also tantalizing of that mm-hmm. talent. A&M kick return, Notre Dame catch in the bowl game for a touchdown. It's just about putting it consistently together. Xavier Leggett, Amari and Brown. Here's a stat about Amari and Brown, Wes. Two seasons at South Carolina, no touchdowns. And yeah, I don't believe that. It's hard to believe, but it is true. I triple-checked it. And I think he came to South Carolina with something like eight career touchdowns at Georgia Tech. Didn't he break the freshman touchdown receiving record at Georgia Tech? That that sounds right. Just like Juice, right? So, Juice still holds several of the records at James Madison from two seasons there. So, you know, with, with Xavier Leggett, I look at a guy who's tremendously physically gifted and has made some big plays. Can he put it all together and be the guy, be consistent? Um, that's And that's kind of a question. If he does, the the outlook for this offense, I think, increases more in terms of positive outlook. And then a Marion Brown, West, you know, interesting South Carolina play in North Carolina to open the season. I think a Marion Brown's usage in this offense should be a lot like what we saw in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. That was one of maybe his best career game, one of his best career games. Certainly to date, at, in his first year, it was his best game. The way he was used, even the Tennessee game, the way he was used there. This is somebody you get in the backfield. You can run the football with him a bit. You can get him in space. You can utilize his speed. Um, and I've heard a lot about him, uh, along with Juice Wells, taking a leadership step too. So those are your three – there are others, of course, which we'll get into, but that's kind of the core group to me that as they go, I think this offense is going to go. Well, I, I think you kind of look at this group in the spring, and and I kind of wonder, does Eddie Lewis sort of just step right into a starting spot? Yeah. And it felt to me like Lewis could be, could be the guy as a slot, which – in this case, that would mean taking a B spot, or he could have been the outside guy opposite of Juice, which would mean he took Leggett's spot. It also felt to me the practices we saw, what we got to see of the ones that both of those guys were like, nah, this is like, I, we're holding you off, man. Yep. So now is, is Eddie Lewis going to have every chance to get in there and play? And could he win it on the field? Uh, of course, is he going to still play a lot, even if he's not the starter? I think he's the first guy off the bench, and I think as a veteran guy and as someone who has played slot minutes and outside minutes, he he maybe can kind of be your backup at at two spots. And depending on let let's say he's the fourth overall guy, depending on who's fifth, depending on how you feel about the guy that's sixth overall. You know, may, maybe Eddie just kind of fills in his next guy up, and then there's a, a a gap between him and the fifth guy. Or maybe one of these other guys steps up, has a great preseason, 
and sort of says, hey, no, I'm I'm in the rotation too. I, I want to play. What is Nick Harbour's role? We've talked about that. I mean, we talked about that since he committed what is what is uh, fair for him. Um, throw in Elijah Caldwell. Where does he sort of slot in this thing? I, I think he probably is a slot player as well. So you, you're going to have, you know, Omega Blake, about to forget him. That's a guy that you look at the end of last year when their depth at receiver really got tested. Omega Blake and um, Landon Sampson were the guys who sort of stepped in and played a little bit in the bowl game. So, you know, I, I do think you kind of know who those top three or four are. The fascinating thing here will be sort of how do the rotational snaps spread out among that next group, I, I think is maybe the most interesting conversation with this group as a whole. And I would throw in Wes, forgive me if you mentioned him and I totally glossed over, you know, Peyton Mangram is a yes. guy I think you watched there too. It'll be a key special teams player. That's the other thing. I mean, some of these guys are going to be very important special teams players. You know, Xavier Leggett could probably has you know, probably not a probably about it. He's he's the leading guy for the kickoff return uh job. And um, you know, in terms of punt return, Eddie Lewis, you know, has a background there. He could be the starting punt returner. Uh, Peyton Mangrum's been a really good special teams player for USC. So some of these guys are going to play key roles there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, Lewis, when he signed as a transfer, he was somebody you looked at. And for me, Wes, it was, all right, th this may be the Josh Van replacement, you know, and that he can maybe be your starting punt returner and he can be a starter or an or on the depth chart, right, like they had last season. He can be an or. I think as we went through spring, maybe he wasn't an or, I think it was, you know, like like you said, it was Juice and A.B. And, and Xavier Leggett. Those are your pretty clear top three. But Eddie Lewis will probably have something uh, to say about that race. And if you go back and kind of look at the snap distributions for last year, there were some there's some snaps to be had among the receivers. They It's not like they're rotating guys 50-50, but they'll play guys other than the top three. And then, you know, personnel packages. I mean, you, you might want to have some different things going on there, but they have some guys that have some versatility, you know, with where you can line them up. Lewis is one of those guys. And I think that kind of adds some value to him for me. You know, I am intrigued by who out of that, out of that next group of guys can step forward out of the younger players. Wes, Elijah Caldwell seems to have the most buzz, you know, for me, but if Sampson, Blake, if they could take a step forward, that'd be huge too. Because not only for this season, but starting to develop for next year when USC's losing those top three guys that we mentioned. Yeah, that I mean, Chris, even I mean, even with Amazio Bennett coming in, kind of if you look ahead real quickly, even if you can get uh, one or two of those guys into the mix this year and that you really feel good about them, I think you got to start. I think you're going to be talking about this coming off season, finding a transfer portal guy or two to try and supplement that position. But that's certainly a conversation we'll have plenty of down the road. So, all right, I'm about to put you on the spot again, Chris. You ready? I'm ready. Who takes – so it, let's just – we're assuming the top four. So, Juice – Leggett, A.B., Eddie. 
if those are the top four, who takes the fifth most snaps at receiver this season? Yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> and I don't, by the way, some people are probably sitting there going, when are they going to talk about Nicholas Harbor? It, it is coming. Um, oh, man. You know what? I actually may say Elijah Caldwell. I thought you were about to say Peyton Mangrum. I thought about it. I thought about a few guys. Peyton Mangrum almost came out of my mouth. But, yeah, I might say Elijah Caldwell. I just – I think there's been plenty of buzz. Mm -hmm. You know, players and coaches alike behind the scenes. Some of it's been said publicly. I think camp will be a great indication because we've heard a lot of good things. Remember, he enrolled during the summer, so we didn't see him during the spring. So everything is kind of based off – summer workouts, player-run practices, the stuff that the coaches can get on the field with them and do, which is more than in past years. So we got to see the pads come on and how things go then. That could be a key differentiator. So this, to me, is a little bit more of a projection. It's kind of going out on a, on a limb a little bit, but that's that's where I'd land right now. I reserve the right to change my mind. Well, I think the the answer will be determined by – can Caldwell, can Caldwell or a Peyton Mangrum or an Omega Blake, can one of those guys push into the rotation enough that they can take a take more snaps than than Harbor's probably package slash situational work? We we have no idea. Are they gonna Are they gonna say? Are they going to say we won't harbor on the field fifteen times a game? And situationally, I mean, they, let, let's let's talk harbor. So, <laughs> it, is it as simple as this guy is bigger and faster than whoever you can put out there on him? I I, th- I really think you put him on the outside at times and you just send him deep. And he's either going to outrun the coverage or he's going to at least take the coverage with him. That opens up. If you can protect it, I feel like that opens up so much underneath um, crossers, over routes, posts to the middle. Um, the The possibilities for juice and a slot guy being on the field with Harbor also on the field to me is where you're looking at saying he may not be ready to run the entire playbook yet, but I'm putting him on the field X number of times a game just to make the defense account for him. Yeah. And even if you're not sending him deep, it, it, if you're a defensive coordinator in your mind, you know, then it becomes a little bit of a mind game, you know, okay. They are sending them deep. Maybe I need to account for this. So I'm setting my coverage based on that. And and so then even if Nicholas Harbor is not running a go route, you know, now you're, now you're able to structure your offense based on what you then think the defense may give you, which may be some type of deeper coverage, right? Three deep cover two, whatever it may be. Um, you know, for me, Wes, I, I just tend to think, and this is something where there's not information, I just tend to think, I keep going back to like tempering expectations, right? And so 
I, th- I just think it's a it's different situation than Clowney, than Lattimore, just in terms of readiness to play um, and need to play even, right? Like, I mean, got a guy like Nick Carver, he, he needs to make an impact. But is he on the field for 15 snaps a game? I don't know. I, I don't know if I could say that that's the expectation right now. You know, does he need to be on the field? Yes. Um, but I just – it's hard to get a handle – on exactly what to expect. And I think as preseason goes along, once camp opens early next month, I think we'll start to get a better sense of that. For now, I'm kind of playing the whole Nicholas Harbor angle quite conservatively. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Because I, I completely agree with the points that you're making. Yeah, If he's on the field, that's something to think about. But you also do have to have the impact you know, for that to sustain. And maybe he does make that impact, and then you've really you're really cooking with something. So one of the most interesting, and to me, hard to peg things on this entire roster. Well, and I think Chris, the I I would even argue, since I said fifteen, let's stick with fifteen. I would even argue fifteen snaps a game. That that alone may be conservative compared to to where some people yes just see the five star. And say, oh, this guy. I mean, Phil Still, <laughs> Phil Still Magazine has him penciled in as a starting wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. I would be shocked if if that were to play out that way. Now, if yeah. it plays out that way, that's that's fantastic because that means he's beat out some some great players mm-hmm. to start, some really good players to start. But you know, I. I would say, especially if you drop that number down to, hey, he's going to go play 10, guaranteed to play 10 snaps a game at wide receiver. I think that is being pretty conservative compared to what random fan A thinks when they see, oh, he's a five-star guy, he's going to play, he's going to make an impact. I I think 15 snaps per game is a really good over-under for him to make it interesting because I could easily see it hitting right around that mark. I kind of would be shocked if it went much over that mark. We we know now some, is that number going to get skewed? Does he play 35 snaps against a Furman as they're trying to get him reps and get him comfortable and play five snaps at Georgia? Yeah. You know, so these things are never things are never video game like where it's just, hey, this guy has this rating, (laughs) he plays this amount, go play. It's always some up, some down, some hey, why is it that guy playing? Why is that guy playing along the way? Which is what makes it fascinating. We've said it time and time again, Chris. There is a path for Harbor to make a decent impact on this team, but finding the path is going to sort of be the most interesting conversation maybe of the entire offseason. Yeah, and, you know, at, at any point, if the offense hits a wall or struggles in a particular game, or, or heck, maybe even if they are not struggling, maybe even if they're doing well, there's some kind of snap count for Harbor that I don't know what the line is, that Pete, there's going to be where's Harbor, you know, post tweets, X's, whatever they're called, Wes. I don't know what we're calling Twitter today or in the future, but 
How um, weird is that, by the way? Yeah, yeah, I, I, sounded like old man yelling at Cloud. I don't like it, but um, anyway, that's for another day. But yeah, I mean, the, the, he because of the amount of hype, the well deserved like attention that he got during recruiting and his immense skill set, the expectations are, are quite high here. I, I think, despite Beamer and us and everybody else yelling to temper, will that really happen? Probably not especially if the offense hits a wall, there's always going to be calls for, you know, just kind of like a backup quarterback, put mm-hmm. that guy in, you know, get, give him a try. And for somebody with his physical tools, that's what fans are going to want to see. Rightfully so. I want to see it too. I'm just very intrigued of how it's going to work and how big of an impact he can make when, how much, how all the different questions um, I have about Nick Carver. So pr- pretty exciting little subplot for this season. I got one final question for you. All right. Another one on the spot? On the spot. The way we like it. Let's do it. Does DeCarrion Joyner play a single snap at wide receiver this year? Oh, that's a good one. I didn't expect that. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> Does he play a single snap at wide receiver? And let, let, me, let me clarify it. Okay. I'm not counting motion out of the backfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that. Five you, wide, you, headed, empty. you headed off my thought of well, yeah. If he's right to, yeah. Um, I'm talking about he's playing one of the three or four kind of main yeah. receiver positions on the field. Uh, I'm gonna say no. What do you think? I, I kind of think you're right. Yeah. Now, I, I do think if you if you have a guy who's played receiver at running back, I think you can toy with that a lot. And mm-hmm. you can motion him out. You can do some five-wide stuff where the team sort of personnel-wise thinks you're – you know, you can go three receivers, a tight end, and joiner as your five quote-unquote receivers. And personnel-wise, when the defense is setting their personnel – they match it up differently. I think you can probably find some mismatches that way. But as far as truly, hey, there's another guy playing running back. The carry on runs out there as a wide receiver. I think you're probably right. I, I think I think they're going to need as much of his focus to be at being the best, uh, best running back. I was about to say best receiver. Yeah. At being the best running back he can possibly be because I, I think I think our thought process a few months ago when we said hey he's going to be RB1 to start the year I think it is trending heavily in that direction yeah it, it does seem that way um at a bare minimum he's going to play a ton at running back as of right now so yeah I, I think that's kind of where I'm at the, the only thing I could see Wes if, if is if USC does utilize any two back sets, mm-hmm. and then he, it's going to be hard to tell. We'd have to go back yeah. and say, "All right, Dowell Loggins what, was to carry on. Like, was he a running back?" And then you put, you know, I mean, yes, he he will he will line up, yeah, wide at yeah. points this year. Yes, Wade says wheel route wheel route doesn't count. That's that's from running back. Does That's wildcat back. formation count? No, that doesn't count. I'm talking about yeah. wide receiver. No, he's a full-time running back. Send the media guide, Wes. Officially official. Official, yeah. 
Um, you know what else is official, Chris? It's that you don't have any tech side anymore. None. Um, 803-462-5576. Our friend Larry at Liberty Tax. It is a brighter way to do taxes. And Chris, you are ahead of the game here, man. You are already prepared for your taxes for next tax season. And uh, why don't you tell the people real quick about your experience with Larry and Liberty Tax and their three convenient locations here in Columbia? Well, I actually have a very recent example, Wes. Uh, sat down after doing our 107.5 GC takeover hour today and sat down to my computer to an email from Larry at Liberty Tax. Uh, my wife and I met with him recently, had an awesome experience, took tons of time, asked a ton of questions, let us talk. Got a great plan together, planning ahead for next year so that we have no tax society. And when tax season rolls around, we're going to be in a good spot. And he actually has already followed up with us saying, hey, let's talk again for 15 minutes or so. A few follow-ups made the whole process super easy, super smooth. And uh, we feel great going into next year. Absolutely no tax society, thanks to Larry and his team at Liberty Tax. The man. Appreciate you, Larry. Again, uh, let me pull that up again. 803-462-5576. Um, hmm. Trying to think if we've missed anything on the receiver side. So, I'll say this, man. We haven't really talked. We've talked about the guys in general. We haven't talked much, at least this show, this episode, about the skill set of these guys in particular, what fans should expect. It kind of hit me. They do have a pretty nice little mix at wide receiver of varying skill sets. So Juice, kind of the do-it-all guy, um, has size, has speed, has um, you know playmaking ability both down the field with the ball in the air, also can take a short pass, can run through a tackle, can make a guy miss. He's your all-around guy, right? Can do a little bit of everything. Leggett, bigger-bodied guy. Um, Looks, as we talked about, literally like a linebacker uh, physically, has size, can go up and get the football. Actually, some similarities with Juice. I mean, I think you give Juice the pure, natural receiving ball skills, soft hands. You give him the edge, but, you know, another guy that can do everything. Then you have A.B., speedster, can work underneath, quick, can take the top off the defense if you, uh, you know, if you want to run him down a seam, stuff like that. So, you, you kind of have some some various guys there that can do different things. Elijah Caldwell, I think, is kind of your your slot guy, but also a little bit of do-everything. Great route runner, good hands, playmaker, um, smart guy from everything I've heard, very intelligent as far as learning the game and having an understanding of what's expected of him. Um, so we've seen Carolina in the past. There was a year under Spurrier where it was all um, short dudes, we saw it was trending, Chris, under McClendon, where it was trending towards a bunch of tall dudes. So, you know, as we sit here, if you can kind of keep that that top four healthy, you you do have a nice little mix where teams can't just kind of say, oh, there's, they're very one-dimensional. Like, you, you have some versatility among this group. Yeah, definitely like the mix. And – um We've seen some some glimpses and like some use cases of of the ideal usages for these guys, you know, and some of the things that they can do. Um, I, I especially think of someone like AB West, where 
you know, AB is not a guy that you line up as your number one receiver, like a juice or even like Xavier Leggett's skill set. Like you line him up in specific ways and ask him to do specific things that play to his skill set, of which he has a unique one with the speed, the open field ability. We've seen a few games, a couple games, a few games where AB has been utilized like that and it's paid some dividends. Again, I go back to Tennessee or the 2021 Dukes Mayo Bowl. I think those are good use cases for him. Um, Eddie Lewis inside, outside. So I always am in favor of having the mix. Uh, you don't want a bunch of very small receivers. You don't want a bunch of just six, four guys. And that's just mm-hmm. kind of your bigger receivers. They do have a good mix. So yeah, keeping them healthy, uh, definitely very important for this season. If they can stay healthy, it's a group that has a chance, I think, to make some noise. Big Red says, which option does DK play more, quarterback or wide receiver? Um, that that actually is an interesting question, Big Red. Um, he's going to play much more running back than either one of those. The answer to will he play some quarterback, I, will, I would probably lean towards yes, he maybe gets still gets some snaps there. I would probably say quarterback, although – I do think that could be a great role for Lenora Sellers is the role we saw. We've talked about it. The role we saw DK in last year in the backfield at quarterback could be a great position for Lenora Sellers to help this team. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. But as far as quarterback or wide receiver, since I kind of agree with Chris, probably little to no snaps at true wide receiver, I'm going to say I would go probably quarterback over wide receiver. Yeah, I'd go there too, but but I do think, you know, with the possibility of sellers out there and the possibility, Wes, of you know, you want to keep the carry on healthy as a as a true running back too. So does that yeah. lessen it in general? And then point. the fact that you have sellers, maybe that combination probably if I had to guess, not a lot of snaps at either. I think we see yeah. the vast, vast majority at running back. I agree, man. All right. So that's gonna do it for the day. We're right at an hour. Um Chris, appreciate you as always, man. Appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, this has been Gamecock Central Live. Shout out to all of our sponsors. And uh, we'll have uh, Mike Uva will be back on. He'll be on live Tuesday night. And then Chris and I will be back on later this week. Uh, should have plenty more to chew on after uh, Beamer and the coaches speak later this week from uh, the Birdies with Beamer golf tournament. Uh, all right, y'all. Appreciate it. For Chris, I'm Wes. Y'all have a good one.